Hello, and welcome to Conversations Between Widows. I am one of the co-hosts, Tanya Wilson. And I'm your other co-host, LaSharma Jefferson. And we're bringing you weekly conversations about our widow journey. Our purpose is to provide our listeners with a window seat into how two young women who became widows too soon are navigating life after their loss. Our goal is to provide another support system to other widows on the same journey to help them feel less alone. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and shake your head profusely in agreement to what Tanya and I and our guests are talking about. So come on in and enjoy the conversation. Everything is going wonderful. Uh, very busy weekend uh, with my granddaughter. And then I, my sister and my nephew were here and I did my nephew's hair. That took me four hours. But uh, now my house is back to normal with just myself and my son. And he's in his domain of the house and I'm in mine. So oh, wow. all is right with the world right now. That's How about you? How was your weekend? Um, it started off with no plans and somehow I ended up with plans. <laughs> like I just don't get it. But it was good, good and refreshing. Uh like I was telling you earlier, I am working on my handyman chronicle of the bidet. <laughs> Oh, the bidet. <laughs> yes, I'm going to try to put it together, but I got to hype myself up for it. I got to research, read before I start. Okay, okay. The bidet. The, the bidet, yeah. I know, it's funny. Did it, like, come with instructions to say, like, it, easy to install? Yep, <laughs> it did. Easy to install. Disconnect the water supply hose. But you got to disconnect the water supply. So step one, to turn off the tank, you know, step two, remove the toilet seat, step three, mount it, step four, reattach the toilet seat, then disconnect the water supply hose, and that's where I'm at. So that's where I'm like, okay, can I do that? It's safely connected, so it's not, and it says, oh, it does say do not over-tighten the connection, simply turn the connection by hand, then use the wrench to tighten it to the quarter turn. So that's where it intimidates me. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. where my anxiety goes up. Like, what? I have to do all that? That's right. When they say stuff like, don't over tighten. Like, uh, like this. what is that? Yeah, <laughs> It's kind of like when I'm baking, for instance. When I bake, um, I've, I've been baking longer than I would look at. I, I'm not the kind of baker that like reads recipe books like my mom would always say oh yeah it's really good to read recipe books because they give you little tips and tricks you know for uh your baking or even just cooking you know they give you little tips uh mm-hmm. while you're doing it but i'm like i would just get the recipe you know i looked at what i needed to look at but mm-hmm. now you know since i'm you know getting ready to launch my perfect pound cake business I and I've been reading, you know, recipes a little bit online, and then mm-hmm. I would notice this thing where they say, "Don't, um, don't overbeat 
this cake. They say that. And I'm like, what do you mean overbeat this cake? Yeah. Because when I would read recipes that like my mother, she had an old, this old school recipe book. I think it was a Southern, Southern kitchen recipe for our mm-hmm. desserts. And that's what I used to use. And I don't recall that recipe. It didn't break down when you were beating the cake. It didn't say stuff like, okay, after the eggs, beat this for one to two minutes or three to four minutes. It didn't give you anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I was used to just baking and letting my mixer go. And I never had a problem with with the cake, to my knowledge. But so now when I read the recipes and they say, they're like warning you, be careful not to overbeat the cake. I'm thinking, well, what happens if you overbeat the cake? Yes. <laughs> I almost don't. I don't know if that's like really possible because I, my my pound cakes have been coming out great, and I'm pretty sure early on I probably was beating my cake too long because I just like the sound of the mixer when it's going, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but that's what that reminds me of. Don't over tighten. Like, okay, what's going to happen? Do like, I mean, it's water. I mean, that seems like that'll keep the water from splashing out or whatever is going to happen. Maybe it's to keep it from stripping the um, the tea. Oh, maybe you need to untighten, or if you need to loosen it later on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess you'll find out. I know. Is that or pay $200 or whatever the going rate to have a plumber come in and just put it in for those 10 minutes? Because, you know, it says it takes 15 minutes. So for a plumber, it's probably like 10. Yeah, it'd be done. And hop, skip, and now see, that's the type of stuff I absolutely hate having to pay $200 for. Yeah. Or even, because you're thinking, $200 and you was out of here in five to 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. I like, I would prefer to pay you. $25 and you just show me what I need to do. Right. You know, but they're not going to do that because they prefer to make that money. You know? Right. Well, we're going to move over to a different topic. It's one that's being discussed a lot, especially for our early grievers as well. Uh, grief etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny, as I I pulled up an article, and it says, Grief Etiquette, Unspoken Rules of Helping Widowed Loved Ones. Yes. So, obviously, it's it's definitely important, um, you know, to always go over this because, you know, our widow community, unfortunately, grows every day. You know, every day someone... It's losing someone in their life, you know, and for our particular case, someone is losing a spouse, a husband mm-hmm. or a wife, you know, even doubly so, you know, with going on. So this is never, uh, it's, this topic never gets old, you know, because we constantly have to remind people, you know, things that they shouldn't say, you know, to widows. Right, you know? right. So what some of the things you wish people would never have said to you? Mm. Well, I think the thing that I don't, I don't know if it's really necessarily about the grief, but it irked me when people would tell me how strong I was. Mm. You know, because I'm like, I'm not necessarily strong, you know, in those times, but... I was able to hold it together 
when I am in public, you know, like if I'm in a group of people, you know, yes, I can gather myself, you know, um, but I, I didn't feel like that was like, oh, you're so strong because I'm like, uh, well, I'm not around you all. You know, I'm giving in, you know, to how I'm feeling and the emotions that I was having definitely early on, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, I don't think, and, I, and I've heard other widows kind of say that, that they didn't like when people kept telling them how strong they were because it's the last thing that you feel like you are, you know. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm just like not falling apart right here in this moment. You right. Know? But it's like, don't get it twisted. I'm really in a very weakened state. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, strongly is a definitely one when you feel like your world is crumbling. Um, and that's exactly how grief works. It's a situation where the world, it just seems like, for me, it seems like everything stopped. Everything stopped on Tanya's end where everybody else kept going. And I feel like sometimes when people use the word strong, it's because they're trying to they don't have another word to say, but strong. And I think in the back of their mind, so, and I could be wrong because I'm not a mind reader, but how I take it is that that person is saying, it couldn't be me. I wouldn't have been able to hold myself together. Right. But, I think that's exactly, that's that's how it kind of felt to me too. But that part, that part irks me too, because what you mean? Like, what makes you different than me? I, I think I heard someone say that once, like, if something happened to my parents, I wouldn't know what to do. And I'm thinking in my head, well, I already lost a parent. And you saw that I kept moving on. Mm-hmm. But then, two, Tanya can't compare herself. So it's kind of like the grief etiquette works both ways. I think as humans, we do a lot of comparison. That's our downfall. And we all are different. Uh, right, absolutely. We, we are all different. Uh, but I think also because we're we sometimes live in the state of denial. Like, you think you can't get past that, but you can't. You know what I'm saying? It's not one of those things, and that's why it's like, you never say how you would react in the situation. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know until the situation is actually there. Right. You know, it's like, nobody wants to lose anybody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't want to lose our friends. We don't want to lose spouses. We don't want to lose parents. But, you know, it's it's human nature. It's going to happen, but we never want it to happen, you know? So right. you can say how you're going to respond in that time until it happens. And it's just yeah. best not to speak on it until it has happened to you. You know, like one of the things on this list on the article that I came to is where it said, I understand your pain. And it's like, if you're talking to somebody who has lost a parent, Mm-hmm. Unless you've lost a parent, that is not the thing to say. And I think, honestly, even if you have lost a parent, you don't know that person's pain. And I yeah. think that when somebody is in pain, you know, just that's their pain. We can't say because I lost someone too, I can't say I know your particular pain. Mm-hmm. Because your pain could be totally different from my pain, but it still hurts. And maybe we could say things like, I know this hurts. That's your yeah. statement. Yes, it does hurt. But I'm not trying to, you know, say that I'm there with you. I'm going, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that's more important to say something along those lines. Like, say what the truth is. The truth is, you know that this is hurting them. Yes. 
that's undeniable. But to, to put yourself in their place to say you understand what they're going through, that can hit somebody the very wrong way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and depending on their emotional state, you know, that could cause some problems. Yeah. And that's why you probably want to replace that with, okay, I, like you were saying, I understand that it hurts. hmm Yeah. How can I help? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what can right. I and do? Move, and move on to that. Right. Yeah. Right. How can I help you? Yeah. How can I help you? How do you want me? Do you want me to pick up something? Do you need me to call something? Did you want to get something to eat? Did you want me to just sit here? You know, those are the things that you need to replace that because I think also we try to be fixers. There's a lot of people that try to fix the situation. There's no mm-hmm. fixing grief. Grief is a process that you have to let your feelings, you know, get loose and exposed and work its way out. So that is definitely something that, you know, they that a person should understand when they're talking to somebody that's grieving. Another thing that it's hard to hear, and I know it comes from a religious background. Is they in a better place? Oh, yeah, huh, girl. Mm. Mm. Even uh, what about now? This is kind of like piggybacking onto that. At mm-hmm. least they're no longer in pain. Have you Ooh. have you heard that before? Yeah, like, I heard that told to. Before. Yeah, I heard that told to others. It might have been told to me when. Um, when my my mom passed, I don't think it was to oh, because oh um was a sudden um pass. It wasn't like it was uh, unexpected. That's the word I want to use. So they couldn't use that because you know you didn't know if that person had been sick or not. But I have seen where um it was used when somebody's going through long-term pain and mm-hmm. i think one of our um guests kevin had mentioned that mm-hmm. that triggered him to the point where he you know when they said that it was like a triggering situation you should not ever say at least they're not in pain yeah. there is no upside to death yeah because <laughs> I, I think with that it's kind of like the death grieving it's really not about the person who is not here anymore. Right. You know, like their life journey is over. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what's going on on the other side. You know, like, I don't know, we, I grew up seeing movies and many of us have, you know, when people, you know, die and then they're at the pearly gates and they're talking to whoever the angel in command is, you know, like, Maybe they're feeling some kind of way about the fact that they died. They think they died too soon. They want to go back, whatever, whatever. Okay, that's that's imagination. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we have no idea what is going on on the other side of this life. And we won't know. You know, so the fact that they're not in pain anymore, that does nothing for the person that is experiencing, the, is ex, who has experienced the loss of their loved one on this side mm-hmm. of because this is the only side of life that we know of, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like to say, well, they're not suffering anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but now it's like, but I'm suffering. I'm suffering because I lost this person, you know, that I plan to have more time with, you know, so saying that to somebody is not helpful. 
it's right. not helpful to them, especially when it's early on. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's something that they will come to understand as they, you know, continue to grieve their loved one. And they, they you go through that rationalization process. You know, it might be like, oh, because I know when my husband passed, um, you know, he passed what in 2017. So we were way before the pandemic. But mm-hmm. of course, you know, like when, when 2020 happened and I couldn't help but, you know, to think about my husband and how he would have felt, you know, when the pandemic came and everybody on lockdown, you can't go anywhere, you know. Exactly. I about, oh, I know he glad, you know, that he's not here dealing with this stuff, you know. And, you know, but that's that's me being four years into, you know, my widow journey. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have been thinking, you know, really along those lines of thinking about, oh, well, he doesn't have to worry about this anymore. He doesn't have to worry about that. You know, it was just about what I was feeling and dealing with mm-hmm. in those first, you know, few months after his passing. And that's what the, the whole grieving and the why you need to know about the proper etiquette, because you're trying to help somebody go through something that is one of the most difficult things in life that you go through. Absolutely. Losing someone close to you, you know? So going to, with the going back to like specifically to the widows, mm-hmm. what about if they say, you'll get married again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you heard that one? At least, look, at least you're still young enough, you know, to... Find love again. Yeah. When you really feel like you know, the world has, like I said, is broken in a million pieces. And the thing about it, those pieces could come together, but they never fit quite the same. And mm-hmm. that that part is the part that people don't understand. It's not that easy now to date. It's not that easy to get back on the horse because you know you still have some pain you still have some guilt sometimes when you do that that's right and then too i mean when you first lose your spouse the last thing you're thinking about is will i get married again will i find love again now you're focused on the fact that you've lost the love of your life or if you've lost the person that you know you intended to have more time with. You're not thinking about who's coming next at that juncture. You at one point belong to your husband and that's the part that takes time to turn off. It's just not when he died and you um, switched to somebody else. Um, Right. Yeah, you you have a hard time turning off those feelings and getting back on the saddle again. And I agree with you. It's just not, it, they make it seem so easy when it really is not. It's all about retrusting again. Oh, it's gosh. all about <laughs> touching your, you know, trusting your instincts again. Yeah. Making the right decision when you don't know if you're making the right decision because again, your world have shattered into pieces. Yeah. Uh, and then I know for me, like when I lost, uh, Kevin, you know, we, you know, I can say we did have a difficult marriage. You know, there were a lot of difficulties um, in the early part of our marriage and definitely towards the end of our marriage. 
However, I was like 100% committed. It's kind of like for a person who says they're, they're going to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. They train for this marathon. They know, they read all the stories. They know about the blood, sweat, and tears that, you know, people endure trying to complete a marathon. And they, when they start that journey, they go going, they go going. It's hard. They might be getting cramps. They aching. They're asking themselves, why did I do this again? Oh, my God. But they remember the commitment they made to themselves. Mm-hmm. So that was how, with my marriage, as difficult as it was, um, even though some of my very important needs, you know, kept gone unmet during times in the relationship, but I was committed to my husband, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like, you know, yes, he can be difficult to love, but I loved him anyway, you know, right. and I was very prayerful throughout my marriage and, you know, so I was seeing it through, you know, even before he got sick. And I even when he got sick, there was no timetable as to how long that was going to last. Because I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm a caregiver. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how difficult of a journey that was. But I wasn't thinking, when is this caregiving journey going to end? I was trying to be the best caregiver that I right. could be. Like, how can I make this, um, you know, this time in his life? easier for him what can I do so in my head there was never any temptation I wasn't thinking I wasn't forward thinking like okay well when he passes away you know what do I want next you know Mm -hmm. what kind of man do I want I was like this is who I wanted to be with because in our very strange kind of a way I felt like we were meant to be you know it's like there were certain things that he brought to the table that the relationship with him helped me learn things about myself that I didn't Mm -hmm. know. And I think also that God put me in his life for the time that he needed me in his life, you know? Mm -hmm. So just to say when the marriage is over, you're not thinking, Oh, well now I can find another husband. That was the one that I was with. I didn't, out here dating. I didn't want to have to start all over. You know, I didn't want to have to meet new people. Now they have to learn, you know, my little quirks and Mm -hmm. all these things. And then I have to learn these things about them. You know, it's like, oh, when you're going through that stuff, you know, when you get, you know, to the point, like, like I am dating now. And it's just like, when you are in those situations and you're like, oh, sometimes it just, you kind of feel like, you know what? I kind of miss like the stability part of marriage. Yeah. You, you know, you already know this person, you know, you're not, you don't have to play these guessing games and try because now you got to figure out somebody else in marriage. You've already figured out one another, you know? Mm-hmm. So having to go through the process again, it's, it's not easy to do. It definitely takes some time to get your mind right. You know, to mm-hmm. go through that process because it's a process, you know, and um, you got to be ready for it, you know? Yes, I agree. I mean, you touched on everything. The only thing I would add is I I miss the stability of it, but I also miss the protection of it. It's different when you can say, well, you know, I have my husband mm-hmm. who will protect me. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different vibe. It's a different feeling, just like with some of the things that I'm experiencing in life now. When you mm-hmm. don't have that protection anymore, oh, he's going to... Um, he's looking out for me. Yes. Yes. So I think that is a huge, huge thing is that you don't have that no more. And then you're all alone. Just like, just thinking about my bidet issue. Because <laughs> uh, he would have put it together. Would be able to put that together. <laughs> yeah, that would have been put together and on the toilet, right? <laughs> <laughs> After he cracked jokes on me, but yeah, he would have had it together and it would have been done. Now it's a whole. I have to figure it out. And I think I had one of my friends even say, "You ain't got nobody you can call." Well, I can try to call my brother-in-law, but again, he's taking care of my other brother-in-law. He's working. He's tired. He got his household. I can't keep calling them to come over. I got to figure it out. And I, and I think I asked my friend um, how much her husband charged um, way back in the summer. And I think he said $200 just to put a device on that took 10 minutes. Wow. But when you have that protection or you be like, well, my husband will do it. It's so easy. And now I think I get more Especially as I call this the cut, what I call this cuddle season, this is the holidays. You miss them more because there's so much you got to do. You got to put the tree up. You got to rake the leaves. Uh, it's a lot that you have to do. But sometimes if they weren't even doing that, it's just someone else sharing the right. the battle with you, or someone yeah. else holding you through these times. This is yeah. still or somebody, a prime they, time. They feel the responsibility. Like when you have a household, mm-hmm. you know, even if your spouse might, they might not help out with the cooking or something, or maybe they don't help with laundry, but it's something in that yeah. house, you know, that they do. Because I know with my husband, he wasn't very um, domestic. But mm-hmm. on the financial sense, you know, I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, paying bills myself. And mm-hmm. that's something, you know, that I do miss. I did, you know, get, even though I did spend time, you know, as a single mom before my husband and I were together, you know, so I know about running a household by myself. But the time that we were together, the time that before we got married and after we got married, it was still, it It was a sense of relief, you know, having someone to share the financial burdens of life with, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I do miss that part, um, you know, like, oh, every time it's time to, you know, cut that mortgage note and, you know, the utilities and it's like, oh, and then we're not even going to go to the, the handyman. <laughs> Yeah, when you need stuff done. The only thing I can say, like with my husband, I think that if my husband were in the house with me, like certain things that were optional, yes, I think those were the problem. We probably would have butted heads on some things, like when Ooh. I wanted to put the deck on the back of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, he might have been like, Oh, I'll get my cousin to come over here and do this deck, and I might not mm-hmm. have wanted his cousin to do it to save us some money because his cousin may not have done the deck that I wanted, you know? So I don't miss butting heads about stuff, you know, but it's just the other part. It's like, it does get a little challenging, you know, when you start, in my case, going back to doing, you know, life solo, when you kind of got used to having that help. And even like my husband would also tell me, you know, 
He don't know why I would ask him certain things. And he said, you're just going to do what you want to do anyway. However, I still like having, you know, someone to give me another perspective, you know, that I maybe didn't think about myself. Mm-hmm. And I did value that, you know, with him. So, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the same here. Like I said, he would have laughed at my little bidet idea until it came in the house. And he'd be like, well, shoot, let's put it on. No, you... so let me ask what this debate. The oh, what am I saying right? The bay? The bay. I'm like, <laughs> so now is this something, okay, with him being a man, is this something that can be on any toilet or is it? Yeah, okay? it could be on any toilet. It, okay, it, so it wouldn't have prevented him from using that toilet or anything. No. Did you remove it or put it, you know, like put it on, take it off? It's, so that's uh-uh, uh-uh. it's it's hinged on. It's, okay. This is hinged on, yeah. So it is attached to your toilet for easy use. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he would have got on me because he probably would have thought it was old ladyish. But <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And like I said, I, I've been reading a lot about it. That's why I got it, and I got it for a reasonable, reasonable price. But just something like this would have probably caused either a discussion or, like you said, like a little miniature argument. Why are you getting this? But it would have got, you know, it would have got done. But like other things, like washing oxes clothes or you know, like you said cooking somebody helping their responsibilities or you know at night it gets cold you sometimes want to just snuggle up to you know mm-hmm. late husband his you know his cologne or his scent you know feeling those feeling those the extra set of feet in the bed like just yes. being able to put right, on um, my feet yeah yeah around your you know around you that wants to cuddle you you know what I'm saying Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that that's 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 you know that's those are real you know real feelings there. That's why those comments that we mentioned, er, you know, at the beginning of this podcast here is it's so important because those are the things we miss and those are the things we're not gonna get. And and you know when people say, well, oh yeah, you've been well for a while. You should be ain't no use to be. Wait a minute. That was gonna be my next question because both of us, we've been with all. We're both. At, well, you're you've passed the four years. You're at four years. My four, four years, years is coming next month. But being at that that juncture, have you ever had anybody like say you should be over this by now? Not in so many words, inadvertently, roundabout ways. People make comments, but again. And like I said, it's not the same. You look at somebody who probably I ain't dated in at the time when old pass it was 10 years. You know what I'm saying? I had not uh, dated in 10 years. So you got to get used to everything. But you got ghosting now. I didn't even know what ghosting was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You got the catfish, you know. <laughs> you got things that you got to protect your heart out here sometimes before going in and then you got to change your mindset of what you're looking for as well mm-hmm. but just, you know, oh go ahead and i was gonna say just be honest with yourself on what you want i think a lot of times i was under the pressure oh i don't want no relationship i just want to you know have fun and when i'm in heat maybe have a little something <laughs> but at the end of the day that's still somebody doing a commitment that's still somebody committing to you and a commitment equals a relationship of some kind. 
And I think that is where a lot of people get it confused. Oh, I don't give it no title. We're not in a relationship. But if you consistently want me to do something and vice versa, that is a relationship. Yep, it is. They just have to learn to call it what it is. You know, say, oh, well, we, we just have a sexual relationship. If that's what you have, yeah, like, let's, let's put on our big girl panties and our big men underwear. I know they mm-hmm. don't call them underwear. <laughs> I call me an underwear underwear. And I know they like to say draws. Yeah, well, pull up the, that wait a minute. Well, <laughs> we can say pull up your, um, your boxers. That's right. Pull your on boxers, your big man right. boxers and let's say yeah. what it is. Men, stop trying to pretend like you're looking for something else. You know what I'm saying? I think of many of us when we get to a certain age, I think we're of age enough to say what it is. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, I don't want, you know, I don't need to date right now, you know, but if I'm comfortable with you because I've known you for a long time or, you know, maybe we used to hook up back in the day or something and I'm comfortable mm-hmm. with you and I just want something, you know, sexual where I don't have to be out here meeting somebody new that I got to get to know who they are as a person, blah, blah, blah. This is what I want to do with you. Are you okay with that? And mm-hmm. they say, okay, go ahead. But you also have to know that there is a time that that relationship is not going to be fulfilling to you. Mm-hmm. And that's another time where you have to pull on those big girl panties and, and big men draws, and you have to be honest and upfront. If it's no longer working, it's time to cut it. Like, a, yes. I think for women especially, you know, a lot of times we we can start off in situations like that, you know, and say, oh, well, I'm cool with that, you know. But the more we're engaging, you know, with men on an intimate level, I think it's going to happen eventually where you're going to catch feelings, you know, and if the man, they're they're a little bit better at compartmentalizing, you know, and and keep you on the sexual thing. And they can have somebody else that they do the whole dating and commitment thing with, you know, they're, they're a little bit better just the way that they're, that they're made. But for Mm. the woman, you know, we have to be real with ourselves. If you feel yourself starting to want something more than that, you have to say that and, and back away from it so you don't mm-hmm. get your feelings hurt. And then want to blame that man for hurting your feelings because, you know, you tried to do something that I think from a, a nature point of view, mm-hmm. it doesn't work for women long term. Yeah, Because we want that man to love us and to care about us and, you know, all that good stuff. But men have the capability physically to just be straight physical. And not have all those other feelings involved, or if they yeah. do, they know how to manage themselves a little bit better. Well, we ain't, we can't say all men, so some women can do that as well. Yeah, I, I've heard it, but I I personally don't be believing it. I think <laughs> I, I think that women that try to do that, I think that they probably have gotten damaged in some area, and I think they're tricking themselves. But you know, mm-hmm. that's just my perception. It may be, they someone be, out there I, be think, like, I know girlfriend, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, they probably like this. I can do it, but yeah, it is a, a and that I think you touched on a good one. That's a trauma. I think when mm-hmm. men do it, it's trauma, especially if they're in pain. But I want them to think of something, you know, for you know, think of it from the widow and widower's perspective. I mean, a part of me at one point 
I would look at people when they say, oh, I've been in pain. This person did this to me in the relationship. I said, that was an actual person that, you know, is warranted forgiveness if they, you know, were sincerely apologizing. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you feel like, you know, God um, ripped it, God caused that pain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not saying it's God's fault, but that's what happens when it's a spiritual thing, when it's beyond you. What happens with that, you know, with that person's pain? You expect us to be like, oh, and then again, I, I don't like the comparison because when you're a widow and widower, I'm not trying to say we're different, but we kind of are. Our pain is a it's a little bit different. It goes beyond you, you you can't we can't see our loved one anymore. So we can't express our pain or we right. can't when we call them up and go yeah. off on them or tell them how we feel. Yeah. And you the physical have to, sense. Exactly. So you have to really, really, you know, get your spirit in line. You have to really, really do a lot of coaching with your mind. You got to really, really have a determination. Yes, this happened. But despite this happened, I'm going to do this to press forward. And that's a different type of wound. That's a different type of pain. And not trying to compare pains, but it's just something that, you know, that that's touched on my heart today. Because I remember early on in the dating game, I honestly think, remember I was telling you, I had somebody that I was talking to. I don't think he thought I was really a widow. Yeah, and, and which I thought that was so crazy. Because I'm just thinking, why would a person think that you would not be honest about that? It's like, who running around here claiming <laughs> to, to have lost the spouse? If they didn't, that's nothing that nobody would want. Mm-hmm. Well, that's somebody with their trust issues. And anytime you see a little bit of lack of trust, we can't fix that. So you got to move on. That's just, mm. that's the best advice I could give you right there. If that person is having some type of trust issue, like very deep, you'll know which kind I'm talking about. The kind you like this. Ooh, we. I don't mm-hmm. know. Right, I can't move mess on. With you. Yeah. Woo we I can't mess with you is a sign of going. That's your as they call it on the little Facebook with the little flags. That's the red flag right there. <laughs> That's the, the penalty flag, the red flag. Like go, go away. Yes. But, but you know, um, so going back to the question about having somebody say, Aren't you over that by now? Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody say that particular thing to me, but when I spoke to a friend of mine. Um, and it was probably about maybe two years in. Mm-hmm. I think that I was going with you to a um, the support group, that support group that was meeting at the church. Yes. And I had right mentioned were. that. Yes, I mentioned that to my friend. And mind you, it wasn't so much that I was in this place like, oh, I just really need to talk about my grieving process or anything. But I was still open, you know, to going to, um, you know, therapy or going to support groups and seeing what they had to offer. Mm-hmm. And I told my friend, you know, yeah, I'm about to go to a support group meeting. And she said to me, oh, you still feel like you have to do that? Mm. And that was only two years in. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow. And I said, um, well, yeah. Now, and I don't know at that point, because uh, I know we talked about 
the loneliness. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. it on the show about yeah. loneliness that, you know, women or widows can go through. Right. I think maybe because maybe it surprised her because I had mentioned, you know, being attracted to someone else or, you know, wanting to date someone else. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, just because you have that desire, it doesn't have anything to do with still needing ongoing support for this transition in your life. You know, you can't put a timetable on how long a a spouse or how long a surviving spouse needs to Mm -hmm. have support around them, you know, for going through their widow journey. It's not like, okay, six months, it's not like it's a class, you know, it's it's a one-year training, you know, for this position. Or, you know, we give you six months of training, we throw you out there. That's not the widowhood or Grief is a journey. It Mm -hmm. ebbs and flows. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with knowing where your resources are. You know, because when you told me that's the group that had different uh, levels of their support, you know, the early grievers, you know, the people who were, they accepted where they were. um, I forgot what that one's called. I know that one was different from the they're ready to date. You had the people that were ready to date and then you had the people that were ready. Oh, they were, they were moving on. Like they were full fledged out there, mm-hmm. you know, but it was just different levels. And I really did like that. Um, um, I only went maybe once or twice with you, but cause I think it also was a distance. It was a bit of a distance um, yes. away. So I never ventured, you know, to the meeting myself, but it was still nice, you know, to go and find out that that was available. And that was mm-hmm. before I think we got into the online, the Facebook yes. groups, <laughs> you know, cause that's really where it wound up being at for me in particular, like just mm-hmm. being able to go to Facebook and comment on other people's where they were and be able to put my stuff out there because I had stopped posting on my personal page, you know, like when my husband's birthday or something like that came up, I didn't really post on my personal page after about the third year, but Mm -hmm. I felt that the Facebook support groups, that those were safe spaces you know, to do that because mm-hmm. I don't need all my friends, you know, if I post, oh, today is Kevin's birthday or if I haven't bought, you know, and I missed him today. Oh, I thought about Kevin. I don't want all the sad faces and everything from mm-hmm. everybody, you know, that I'm friends with on Facebook. However, Absolutely. if I can go to the support group and with women who know that these things happen. Yeah, I thought about them today. It doesn't mean that I'm balled up in a corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I need all the virtual hugs. You just sometimes want people that you can safely express yourself to in that moment and yeah. be okay. You know? Judge, uh, judge free zone. Because when you post online, some people can say, because I had this told to me, I want to be around, you know, or someone relate the message from that person. Let me put it that way. I want to be around people that's, you know, got that's high in spirit and good spirit, that's happy. And if you post about your loved one, some people can have that kind of mentality, like, oh, she always depressed. Right, and it's not not even depression. I'm like, what? It could be just you wanting to reflect on that moment. Yeah, I have music. I've listened, I've been in the car before. And a song could come on the radio. Mm-hmm. And my my husband liked to, you know, he liked to sing. He's very vibrant, you know. 
And there were just certain certain artists that would get him going. And mm-hmm. that would be a spark. It would make me think about him, not in a sad way, but it would make me remember fondly, you know, like, oh, he loved that song. And then I might be a time where I might have that thought of, oh, I miss hearing him sing, mm-hmm. you know, but like you said, you don't necessarily want that perception from the people on the outside thinking, oh, she's still struggling with her grief. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, our widows, we don't judge each other like that. <laughs> you know, nope. we understand how it is. We get it. And sometimes you have setbacks. That's that's the problem. That's the sorry, not the problem. That's the path of this journey. And I think that's with anybody that's grieving a relationship, job, anything. If you never deal with it. It has the residual effects to come back more than you know. And you might not realize that's what's happening because you're in denial. But when, you know, like I said, with the little groups and the people being able to communicate with each other, we're able to know what those feelings are and feel mm-hmm. it at that moment and have the support from the community to wrap around us. Right. Because we're not, because another widow isn't going to make you feel bad because you're right. today you might find yourself on your four-year journey, you might find yourself crying like it was year one. Right. You know, you might be feeling like, oh my goodness, I thought I, you know, I thought I was past this. I thought, you know, other women who have gone through it, women who have been widows for 10 years, 15 years, they can then say back to you, oh no, that happens. It happened to me. And, you know, that's the, the beauty of support groups. And you can go to support group as long as you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna kick you out and say, "Oh no, you you surpassed you know the limit." You know, you've been a widow for ten years, so no. Or God, I always wondered too. What about when people get remarried? Does that mm. mean you can't still be a resource no. and a help to people who are just starting the journey? I think they can because it's still something. There was still the first love sometimes, or the second love, because you know some people have been widowed twice. Mm-hmm. Or, or in a case, divorced and then found that love again and then got whittled that that was whittled that way. It's it's just it's no real reason why they shouldn't. It's a grief. Any type of grief should still be honored, even if they have, you know, have moved forward. I ain't gonna say moved on, because you really don't move on. That's why you're in the journey. So you moving forward. And starting with a new chapter. But this chapter here is still, this is still history. You know what I'm saying? Like it's in the book. It's something that can't be unwritten. This is, you know, it can't go back in the time with machine. This is not the car from Back to the Future where Marty got up in there <laughs> and changed 1973 or right. 75 or 63 or whatever year it was you try to change. This is now. So that you know, there's no time machine to change what happened as oh. much as we will want so right. want to. You know. So, yeah. And now here here is one, and I think this would be a good one to um wrap up our conversation. Sure. And I've never seen this one before, but it says, Don't say call if you need anything. And and I did because when I read that I was like oh well that's interesting but then when I kind of skimmed through it it says well when you tell the the widow or the person grieving call if you need anything 
you're putting the responsibility on them. Mm-hmm. You're putting the burden on them to reach out to you. Whereas if you really want to be a help, don't wait for them to ask you for something because asking for help, especially when you're in that place of already feeling like everybody is pitying you right now and everybody's so sad for you right now, asking Mm -hmm. people for help is probably one of the last things that you're going to want to do because Mm -hmm. you do want to, you do want to kind of prove to yourself, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And sometimes you'll be trying to do so much for yourself you know, where you're really not allowing yourself to the rest that you need, you know, to just wrap your mind, you know, around what is happening in your life. So the better thing for you to do with when somebody loses someone is to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And not just that week after the loss occurred, not just, you know, the, that month. the home going. It's like, Stay consistent. And I definitely understand because I have been a person where, because we all get busy. We jump right back into our lives and we get going. But sometimes we need to use our technology to, you know, help us be better people. And Mm -hmm. it's okay. Put a reminder on your phone. Hey, every Monday I'm going to call so-and-so and see if she needs anything. Because if you call me and say, do I need something? I might be more inclined to say, well, yeah, I could use this as opposed to me having to, you know, make that phone call that I'm hoping I'm not bothering you or, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but, or just set a reminder in your phone to, hey, I'm going, I know she has kids. I'm going to, you know, take some pizza over there for the kids so she don't have to worry about this. Right. You know, and so, you know, I think that we have to, be conscious of the fact that we are human and we are all busy, super busy, mm-hmm. multitasking, but we can set those reminders to help people out and not just tell, oh, call me if you need anything. And then you just go about your way and they over here, you know, struggling and yes. <laughs> everything. Yeah, because I think you say that just to keep from hoping that they don't call you. So, <laughs> so people... Yeah, because I had so many people, like when my husband passed, you know, he was a member of Omega Sci-Fi, and um, all his fraternity brothers were telling me they had my back and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you, I did not see and or hear from any of my husband's fraternity brothers. Not in the sense of coming to, you know, see about me or helping me out. Uh, He did have one of his uh, closest fraternity brothers. Um, I have spoken to him on occasion, you know, but um, no more than I would have expected him Mm -hmm. to. But, you know, he's called and and checked to say, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. But it definitely was not the outpouring, you know, that some people would have thought that I had, you know, because I'm in, I'm in, um, Delta Sigma Theta uh, sorority. So a lot of my sorority sisters thought that I was getting all the support, you know, from my husband's fraternity brothers. And I'm like, no, they're not over here. I mean, the people that helped Mm -hmm. me move and do the heavy lifting and stuff that I needed to do, those were my own family members, you know, and people who I was genuinely close with, you know, not, you know, just because I knew them by association. You know, so I think, like you said, people say that mm-hmm. because it, it sounds good. It's like it's like what you should say. Call right. me if you need anything. 
you know, but we have to unfortunately have to know that, hey, they probably we know how it goes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That goes back to that movie. I told you when they make those promises, like, uh-uh, you ain't got a promise. We know you care. But just don't make a promise you cannot uh, keep. And like you said before, and that might be a separate podcast in itself, like the friends, you know, association friends. Because a lot of times I think I use the word, oh, yeah, some of the friendships have changed. But I think it's some of the association friendships change. Because mm-hmm. the ones that I talk to every day, I still, you know, I still talk to those friends. Mm-hmm. So that's a little different, but, you know, than saying, oh, yeah, the friendships, you know, change. No, your associate, like you said, the association of some of the friendships change, but some of your friendships that were genuinely close, you know, for me, at least stayed the same. Um, but I know that's not the case for everybody, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, like I said at the beginning, you know, of, of this conversation, we will always come back, you know, to refresh this, you know, conversation for our new widow, widows and our widowers just to, um, you know, help you see that you're not alone in the crazy things that people will say mm-hmm. to you when you're um in this early journey yes. or in the early part of, of your grief you know right. yeah people say the strangest things oh my god we'll probably have to do one where we talk about the crazy stuff that we actually heard because we'll be yes. talking for another hour if we start yeah um, that's that. going to be a, yeah we're going to do another episode with you know the strangest things that you you hear during the journey but I agree. Yeah, that's a that's another episode that we can touch on too. Because I'm pretty sure our listeners out here, if you widows or widowers or anybody grieving, you don't heard it all. <laughs> and I mean, heard it all. Yeah. So we'll be back, huh? So until next yeah. time. Until next time. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.